Hey everyone, what is up? It's the third week of Easter, and uh, however many day it's been on quarantine. So here we are. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, and I uh, hope everybody is staying well, staying healthy, and uh, please continue to let us know if if you need if you have any needs. Uh, or you need anything. A couple of housekeeping notes. We have started a financial um, relief fund for the pandemic. So we've had uh, an unbelievable response in uh, people's generosity giving to that fund. Um, so if you're somebody that is uh, squeezed financially right now, we have resources for you. So um, please reach out to, to me or to us at the church, and um, we will do our best to to help. We're trying to make those funds stretch um, hopefully for, uh, you know, if we need it for several months, uh, depending on how long this goes on or how long people are of the jobs, so we're trying to make the, the funds last long. Uh, but we've already, uh, given out over a thousand dollars to families in need in our community. So, uh, thank you so much to all who are able to, to give to that fund. And, um, it's just, uh, it's just really great to see, uh, that kind of generosity in a time of, you know, so much anxiety and um, what can be a lot of negativity in a variety of different ways or or just uh, just kind of the malaise of day after day. What day is it? Uh, just that kind of like heaviness of, you know, not even uh, overt or explicit negativity, but that kind of like overall weight and anxiety that we all feel can, can kind of weigh on us. So it's just been uh, beautiful to see our community um really stand up for each other and reach out in, in, in the kind of ways that we we can and have to during this time, even if we can't uh, be together and, and physically touch each other. So um, just wanted to let, uh, just wanted to give an update on that and put that out there. Thank you so much. And if you didn't see on Facebook this week, uh, we were able to finally turn on our solar system. It's like, wow, it's been so long. It's been, the panels have been up there for over a year and the solar company had been going back and forth, back and forth with uh, building and safety and LEDWP. And finally they, um, did all of the necessary steps, uh, to get those approved. And I was able to turn it on on Tuesday. And that is just kind of a dream for, for this community and a project that has been two years in the works. So really great to, to have that, uh, done and functional and to be able to to see um, the difference that we are making and then hopefully um, what that can inspire uh, in our community and and lead to, to opportunities in the future for um, conversation and and to kind of be that that uh, voice in our uh, neighborhood so just those two updates and uh, if you have anything else um, feel free to, to jump on the zoom call this Sunday and um, and say hey or, or let us know how you're doing or give any prayer requests that you need. Um, so yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. We're gonna jump into our uh, our text today, which is from the Gospel of Luke. It's kind of interesting. The uh, the lectionary goes from the Gospel of Matthew on Easter to the Gospel of John uh, last week with the story of Thomas, and then. Now we jump over to the Gospel of Luke, and all the Gospels give different accounts of the life of Jesus, and they give very different resurrection accounts. You might remember, uh, you know, the Gospel of Mark doesn't have any resurrection accounts. It just says that the women left the tomb, and they were afraid, and they said nothing to, to anyone. So all of the Gospel accounts give 
um, different stories. And so um, it's a little weird that we're reading um, the stories like this um, together, but I think as long as we recognize that and, and know that, um, there's, really, there's really not a problem to it. So the gospel text is Matthew, uh, Matthew, it's Luke 24. <laughs> uh, it's Luke 24, and we'll read the whole thing uh, on, at church uh, on Zoom on Sunday morning. Um, but I, I do want to read um, part of it today, uh, starting in verse 28. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed. He acted at his, as if he were going on, Jesus, uh, but they pressed him, stay and have supper with us. It's nearly evening and the day is done. So he went in with them. And here's what happened. He sat down at the table with them, taking the bread. He blessed and broke it and gave it to them. That moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him. And then he disappeared. Back and forth they talked. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road, as if he opened the scriptures up for us? They didn't waste a minute. They were up and on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their friends gathered together, talking away. It's really happened. The master has been raised up. Simon saw him. Then the two went over everything that had happened on the road and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. The word of the Lord. Okay, so um, I want to skip around. I want to I want to reference. I want to go back to the story and talk about this uh, very interesting uh, ghostly Jesus. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the process of waking up, transformation, waking up, and I want to to look at the the concept of prayer. Um, slightly differently through the lens of this text and then a couple other texts as well. And that's kind of where we want to go. Like, what is up with this ghost Jesus? Um, what is waking up? Let's just keep it at that. What's waking up? And how can we, how can we understand prayer as a, uh, not as something you like put your hands together and bow your head and do, um, but seeing prayer as a living movement which is a, adds a depth dimension to life. Okay, so that's kind of where we're, we're headed. So we'll see, we'll see where it lands. Uh, our, question, our question for today is, comes from a, a poem by Mary Oliver, and the question is, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? What is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? And, and while you're maybe thinking about that question, certain things are, are popping up in your mind or, or certain um, criticisms or, um, you know, maybe even it sounds uh, strange to, to talk about this during the, the pandemic and quarantine. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? And I, I'll read the poem that it comes from because I, um, I think it really adds... Um, so much depth to, to the question and, and perhaps the possibilities um, that it has for our lives and our understanding of prayer and how we might, how we might um, tune our uh, focus um, just a little bit during this time. Like, I feel like some of the, the pandemic and quarantine time, um, 
if you're anything like me, it kind of go, it kind of comes in waves. Like, um, some days are better than others. Some days I'm more focused than others. Uh, some days, uh, my thoughts are really, uh, clear. I feel like, um, I can spend some time and like kind of gain some clarity. And then, uh, an- another day it's like, Ooh, I'm just really lethargic. And I, I kind of don't know, I kind of don't have those sort of rhythms and bearings and I can kind of feel like I'm in the ocean, just kind of like, just kind of bobbing, waiting for the next, waiting for the next wave to come so that maybe I can kind of like figure out where the horizon is like that kind of feeling. So, um, so maybe a question like this seems a bit, seems a bit strange during a time like this, but I think the poem and, uh, with our lectionary text, um, I think it gives us an opportunity to maybe like tune our focus a little bit, maybe, maybe kind of like the feeling of grounding or like taking our shoes off, like kind of rubbing our toes through the grass, like, okay, yeah, I remember, I remember, like maybe, maybe, maybe it'll have that kind of effect. So the, the poem is, uh, Summer Day by Mary Oliver. And she writes, who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand. Who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down. Who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't, I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? So uh, that's our question for today. And it's just a, it's just a beautiful short poem that I think has so much implication for how we're experiencing our days right now. Um, how might we pay attention? Um, and I want to look at this idea of, of prayer and contrasting it to, to paying attention. Um, one of my professors, Barry Taylor uh, from, from Fuller, uh, said something to the effect of um, praying for him is living with eyes wide open. Praying for him is living with eyes wide open. And I hear that in this, in this poem. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle, how to stroll through the fields. What else should I have done? Um, we obviously live in a time um, or in, in a culture in which so much of our uh, worth in society, our um, worth at our job, is predicated on what we've done, what we can accomplish, how well we can exceed for the company, etc. It's about gaining credentials, education, all the rest. And um, I think part of uh, 
some of the anxiety perhaps during this time is that um, so much of our uh, personal and collective identities have been based on accomplishing and uh, exceeding, uh, you know, accomplishing, succeeding, uh, um, exceeding uh, the sort of expectations of um, whatever it is that we're trying to, to do um, so that we can reach certain benchmarks. Um, and now we don't, we don't have those bench, benchmarks. Um, a lot of us don't have those kind of benchmarks in life where we can kind of like, okay, rhythm, check that off, check that off, do that. Um, one of the things I think, uh, that's hard after that, after you've been in school a little while, uh, and you come out of college or you come out of grad school and you're used to being graded and, and rated as sort of like your measure of, uh, success, like, okay, like I, I put in hard work and I got um, a B or I put in hard, I put in really hard work and did a great job and got an A. And like, you kind of get that little, like, you got to get that little bump from, from getting an A. Okay. I've got an a, another A, another A. And then you kind of go out into the working world. No one's grading you. No one cares. And you're like, okay, who am I without these sort of like benchmarks to succeed? And one of the things that I think this season uh, in a, in a really positive way has given us the opportunity to, to do is to tune in and to pay attention a little bit more, um, to kind of like gauge that focus. Now, like I said, I think the, like floating out in the water is a really great, um, way to think about it. If, if you've ever been surfing or, or been out in the water, um, the ocean swimming for any extended period of time, um, you know how like choppy the waves can be and how disorienting that can be. Uh, but how do we, how do we tune our focus to, to pay attention a little bit more, how to fall down in the grass, as Mary Oliver says, there's a, a couple of pieces of art that I, that I'll share on the, the website and the show notes. Um, one is a series of photographs that has the Mary Oliver quote in it. And the photographs are by, uh, um, a, a photographer named Gideon Tang out of, uh, Austin, brilliant photographer. I'll post a link to his Instagram if you want to follow. And then the other is a piece of artwork, um, by someone that I went to, to Fuller with, and she runs, a, a, an art studio in Long Beach. And just, she's just like, she does great, um, beautiful iconography. Um, she works, she does a lot of different kinds of things, but a lot, a lot of different, uh, plays with light and iconography. And so she has a, um, uh, an iconography photo of the road to Emmaus and it is, it's really, really great. And so I'll post a, a post a link to that. So what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? How during this time can we tune our focus? Not necessarily like plan the next 30 years or, um, figure out what the financial future looks like, which is kind of what I hear, um, perhaps that quote, um, divorced from the poem to kind of sound like it's not, what is it you plan to do? Like, what is it you plan to do here? Like what, what opportunities are we given? Like we're given a limited number of days on this earth and, um, some of those limited number of days are going to be spent in quarantine. So what, it, what is it we plan to do with our one wild and precious life here and now? What is it about waking up or tuning in or kind of getting our balance right, like finding the horizon that we can, we can grasp at this time? Like I think of this 
I want to look at prayer, but before that, I want to go back to the, the Gospels real quick and, and think about this story of the disciples on the, uh, the road to Emmaus, right? Like, Peter has found the tomb is empty in the Gospel of Luke, and then we go right into this story. So this is the first resurrection story in the Gospel of Luke. So I'm thinking about that in the context of, uh, of this Gospel. It's the last uh, chapter in the Gospel of Luke. Um, the disciples are on the road. They're walking. Uh, they don't. They don't recognize that it's Jesus, right? And then we get to the. Uh, you know, not only do they not recognize Jesus, but they're kind of like annoyed with him. They're like, "Where's where this guy been?" Like he doesn't know. He hasn't even heard the news. Like Jesus, this guy was crucified, and um, this guy that's walking with us doesn't even know. You know, where's he been? He's like, you know. So so we get to verse twenty eight, and they come to the edge of the village. You know they. How he, they invite him in for supper. Uh, he breaks the bread. They have the scales fall from their eyes. They're so shocked that it's Jesus. And the next thing you know, he disappears. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> I really don't know what to make of ghost Jesus, to be perfectly honest. Ghost Jesus, um, all that, that I, well, what I hear, and I mean, this is all interpretive stuff, so you can interpret however you want, but you know, one of the things that I hear in this story, in this text, is um, these disciples coming to the understanding, coming to a different kind of understanding of Jesus being resurrected and gone. Um, like, one of, the, one of the translations of the story of um, the road to Emmaus uh, talks about the disciples having their hopes dashed. It's like they're walking down the road, and they're just so defeated. And you can imagine them just putting one foot in front of the other, just looking down at the ground. And then, you know, they, they find Jesus hidden in this stranger. You know, they invite him to have supper with them, to stay. And it's only when they break bread that the curse is broken and they can see Jesus for who he is. And as soon as they recognize him, he's gone. Like, they tune their attention differently. Like, the, the way they were when they started walking to Emmaus, and then who they were when they got into that room, they had tuned their attention to Jesus so accurately that as soon as he broke the bread, they saw Jesus for who he was. And at that point, he was gone. And it says, like, they didn't waste a minute. They, they were up, and they went back to Jerusalem. Like, their, their attention and the way they experienced the, the loss of Jesus from the beginning of the day to the end of the day was different. The way they understood the resurrection. Uh, you can use the joy, the excitement, the hope that they had when they went back to Jerusalem was noticeably different. And they had attuned their attention uh, in a particular way that um, they recognized Jesus. But also, um, this, as the story goes, like they kind of no longer need Jesus in the physical form. Like once they recognize it, like they can go on with their lives. Like what they needed to accomplish on the journey to Emmaus, by the time they broke bread with Jesus, they had experienced that, that transformation that needed to take place. Um, all of the um, actual reality that they're living in, the loss of their friend, 
how will they all move forward? Um, none of that has changed, but the way that they have attuned their attention has completely changed. And it makes me think of this Mary Oliver poem. Like, I don't know exactly what prayer is, but I do know how to pay attention. And so it really then leads them uh, into that quest and into that question, what is it they plan to do with their one wild and precious life? That's, that's the trajectory that I see this text moving into. It's like, they don't waste a minute. Like, they, they get up and they go. Like, they've experienced what they need to experience. Um, they've, they've, like, reached a level of fullness. Uh, in, the, in the movie The Fountain, which I mentioned on Easter, um, I watched it uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Rachel Weiss's character, uh, at one point, she's anticipating death, so her, her existential uh, reality is... Um, you know, less than ideal. Um, she's young. And she has this moment where she realizes that even in the face of death, she says, I'm full. I'm full. So even if the disciples' existential reality hasn't changed, or even if our existential uh, collective reality of being uh, living in the midst of a pandemic and all of the horrific loss of life and the financial devastation, all of that still exists. Like we are not glossing over that. We are not ignoring that. But how can we tune our attention to what's important in the midst of that? And I think that's what the disciples do here. They, even though the reality is what it is for them, it's still the same. They tune their attention differently. What is it we plan to do with our one wild and precious life? Um, back to the quote, earlier, uh, praying is living with eyes wide open. Like the disciples, they have their eyes closed as they're walking on the road. Like they cannot see who Jesus is. They are blind. The bread is broken. And now they are living with eyes wide open. What do they do? They don't waste a minute. They go off. Praying is living with eyes wide open. Okay, so I want to look at this um, quote from, from the singer-songwriter Nick Cave. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. He's talking about prayer. He says, The act of prayer is by no means exclusive to religious practice, because prayer is not dependent on the existence of a subject. You do not need to pray to anyone. It is just as valuable to pray into your disbelief as to pray into your belief. For prayer is not an encounter with an external agent. Rather, it is an encounter with oneself. There is much of a chance of our prayers being answered by a God that exists as a God that doesn't. I do not mean this facetiously, for prayers are often answered. A prayer provides us with a moment in time where we can contemplate the things that are important to us. And this watchful application of our attention can manifest these essential needs. The act of prayer asks us something and by doing so delivers much in return. It asks us to present ourselves to the unknown as we are, devoid of pretense, and to contemplate exactly what it is we love or cherish. Through this conversation with our inner self, we confront the nature of our own existence. The coronavirus has brought us to our knees. Yet it has also presented us with the opportunity to be prayerful, whether we believe in God or not. 
By forcing us into isolation, it has dismantled our constructed selves. By challenging our presumed needs, our desires, and our ambitions, and rendered us raw, essential, and reflective. Our sudden dislocation has thrown us into a mystery that exists at the edge of tears and revelation, for none of us knows what tomorrow will bring. In our hubris, we thought we knew, but as we bow our heads within the virus's awesome power, all we are sure of now is our defenselessness. In the end, this vulnerability may be, for our planet and ourselves, our saving grace. As we step chastened into tomorrow, released from our certitude, we present our purest offering to the world, our prayers. So Nick Cave, uh, obviously there's a lot there, but and he's incredibly poetic, but there's a few, uh, I think, great connections where he talks about um, this watchful application of our attention, Prayer as a watchful application of our attention. And then, and then really breaking it down into the time um, that we're currently living through. You know, we've been, giving, we've been given a saving grace, potentially, to be raw and essential and reflective, like purely ourselves. What I hear there is, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? How might you... Um, live with eyes wide open? How might you see uh, the days of your lockdown and quarantine as precious days of your life? Um, I also, this might be a conversation for another day, and if you want to talk about it privately, I'm, I'm all game for it, but I'm really, really fascinated by um, the, the spread of disinformation during the time of quarantine, how it seems to me uh, so many uh, evangelicals and Christians in the States particularly are so, um, like it's a quick chess move to go to, to adopt a lot of these rumors and conspiracy theories and misinformation. And I'm super fascinated at, at why, um, why that's a quick and easy move for many evangelicals. Like I have a couple of theories that we can talk about um, later if you're inter interested, maybe we'll do a podcast on that. Um, but you know, he, he talks about this idea of like, we're released from our certitude and we are then able to present our purest offering to the world, our prayers, which I would say is, um, like when released from our certitude or our perceived certitude, we are then able to hopefully offer our purest lives, our purest selves to the world, us. As, as sort of living prayers, right? But what we see in a lot of uh, um, institutional Christianity, <clears throat> excuse me, is the, uh, is the move to um, try to, in times of anxiety and uncertainty, grasp hold of the table really tight or, or grasp towards um, other sort of strange theories, which seem to be ways of avoiding uh, our lives, avoiding um, tuning into our awareness, really um, putting our foot in the grass, kneeling down as you know in the grass, as Mary Oliver would say, to uh, remember what it's like to be idle. And she says, like, how else would I have spent my day? It's like really grounding down, offering 
who we are to the world, just us, not our accomplishments, not our credentials, not our, you know, fill in the blank, uh, our money, our participation in the, uh, the cycle of capitalism, all that kind of stuff. Um, but who, who are we? Uh, and I, I hear Nick Cave saying, what a, what a saving grace to have the opportunity to remember what it's like to offer our purest selves to the world. That is our prayer, to live with eyes wide open, to see Jesus as completely transformed, the hope, the joy uh, in the midst of the resurrection, and then moving out into our lives. Like the gospel says, not wasting a minute, but like dashing forward into our lives, whatever, whatever that might look like. And I, and I love the, the, uh, the line in, in the gospel text about remembering. It's like um, the disciples, like after Jesus is gone, like they sit there and they're not like, oh, Jesus was here and now he's gone. Where is he? Oh, like he was here. No, they're like, they, they're like sitting down. They're like enjoying their meal. They're talking about, they're like, remember, remember how we were on the road and we were like consumed by a fire. It's like, ah, oh, yes. Remember those times in our lives where you were in rhythm, in the flow, in tune, whatever, whatever language you, on fire, whatever language you want to use. Um, think about one of those stories and when you felt like you're, you're, you were paying attention, right? Paying attention. Um, and we like revel in that. We tell stories and we remember. It's like, this is, this is the experience that the disciples have with the resurrected Jesus, not, uh, not as sort of like fawning over the event, but the event changing, reminding them uh, of who they are and how to be in the world. So what is it that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I think we're going to leave it there for this week. Join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. on Zoom. All that information is on the website, and I hope everybody has a lovely week. I'll see you soon. Bye.